Woody Womack joined by Adam Gorney and our special guest, Zach Soskin, co-founder of Voltage. Zach, you do marketing, all types of stuff. You're helping us break down name and image likeness. Adam Gorney has a huge series running next week. He talked to you for a few things. So first, uh, let's, let's talk to Adam. Boy, Adam, what did you learn? This was a crazy week. We've had conference calls. There's 100 stories in the, in the admin. So give us what was the biggest takeaway about uh, payers getting play, <laughs> players getting paid. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was an interesting process. Uh, I went into this thinking that if someone at Texas A&M wanted to give a kid $100,000, he'd be more than welcome to do it, and it would be a free-for-all. And when you talk about free market value and all of those kinds of things and free market volume, it's, it's not really going to be that. It's not going to be the Wild West. People aren't going to be able to pay for recruits. People aren't going to be able to pay big money once those kids get to campus, it's gonna, a lot of it is going to be in the responsibility of the players themselves to be able to market themselves. So they'll be able to make money, um, but it's still being decided if there's an NCAA board or a third party board to really kind of review each transaction to see if it's a recruiting inducement, to see if it's pay for play, those things will not be allowed. Um, players will be able to make money, but they're going to have to, uh, let's say really work for it in terms of having it justified by the NCAA. There's going to be a lot of oversight and overview. Things are still being figured out whether Congress is going to be involved in this in terms of writing legislation. Um, but, but kids are going to be able to have the opportunity to run their own camps with their name on them, sell t-shirts, sell trading cards, show up in commercials, do social media events, all those kinds of things um, that Zach does for a living. Uh, that will be incorporated into it but in terms of just paying a recruit because there's free market value or fair market value or paying a player or promising players that they're going to make money once they get on campus and setting up deals for them that's not how this is going to work so, so zach you work a lot with guys going into the nfl draft uh you know helping them uh, get deals and stuff like that and we know there's there's money there but uh, to adam's point i mean people think that like every player is all of a sudden going to get hundreds of thousands of dollars from boosters and stuff like that. Tell, give us a dose of reality. Like what, what do you think like a player, like, you know, say high school, Trevor Lawrence, he's, he's going to be the top of the, the heap in terms of marketability. How much money do you, realistically do you think he can make on a, on a yearly basis? Well, okay. So the one thing that I think the biggest disconnect here is the, the disparity between a Trevor, like a, I think Trevor is such a unique case, right? Versus even like a Spencer Rattler at this point. So I do think look that Trevor over the course of his career at Clemson would have, you know, he'd be in the seven figures, you know, he'd be making a million bucks or so. Um, but a lot of that would be trading card and memorabilia and appearances. And, you know, I'd say this, you know, maybe the way that we know Trevor, like, he might not have opted to do the time commitments that would have made him all that money, right? Like again, if someone's going to want to hit that high end, like Adam said, like he really hit the nail on the head, they're going to have to work for it. Right. Um, I think you will have the star quarterbacks. There will be, you know, probably 10 guys a year that are in that, you know, high six figure range, potentially, you know, assuming they're signing. Um, but I think what you got to look at is like the receivers 
you know, there, there won't be a receiver or running back that'll make more than 250, I would have, in a year, I would bet, right? Um, and maybe that's lower than some end. And, and again, it, it could change, but I think, you know, you got to look at what guys are going into the NFL draft, right? Like a Jerry Judy might be, you know, in that range, but a second rounder isn't. And it's, you know, if you're a kid who's in college, who's going to be a second or third rounder, you're not going to make more than you would in the NFL. Right. There, you know, there, yeah. Sorry, go. Well, well, and people seem to think that it's going to be a recruiting, like businesses are going to pour money and like, Oh, Phil Knight's going to spend a million dollars on every recruit. I mean, you, you work with companies that pay athletes to do endorsements. They're still businesses, right? I mean, we, and these, these are unproven high schoolers coming in yeah. with, with really not a whole lot of marketability outside of our niche uh, recruiting world until they actually are good, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about big publicly traded companies. They can't just, you know, they can't, you know, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. They can't overpay these kids to go to their college just because the chairman of the board went there kind of thing. Uh, I'll go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. Um, So yeah, like public. Yeah, you're you're right. You're not going to see a bunch of college kids in a global Nike campaign anytime soon, or Adidas, or any other company for that matter. Um, But I think yeah. And then on the other hand, what Adam was talking about is why you know the local car dealership. I think that's what everyone jumps to is that the guy that owns you know all the car dealerships in Tuscaloosa is going to start paying kids you know crazy money to do something wrong that that's where the fair market value or, you know, that'll get capped by the NCAA is the belief that they're basically going to have an assessment of what kids should be getting paid for certain deals. And you can't really go above that. Okay, so, that makes sense. You no, know, you know, there's, there'll, there'll be no outliers. And that's the only way you'd get into the pay for play type thing is, you know, like if, if one car dealership, if in Tuscaloosa, your car deal was worth half a million, but, you know, in, in Auburn, it was only worth 25000 right? That's where the, the, the out of whack kind of stuff would come into play, and the NCAA would, would not allow it. And, you know, the way it's likely going to happen is companies won't even pay kids directly. It's going to have to live the, – the money itself will have to flow through the NCAA the same way that it works with, like, the NFLPA and NFLPA partners. That makes sense. So, so Gorney – this was not something the NCA really wanted to do. Uh, the really the states kind of forced their hand. And you mentioned uh, when we were talking earlier today that they're up against the clock here because a lot of these legislation is slated to go into effect soon. So I know everything's been you know obviously thrown into a, a, a state of flux with what's going on with the virus, but. What's the time? When is the NCA going to establish whether who's aboard, what the fair market value is? What's the timeline on that? Yeah, so there was a congressional hearing this week um, where Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, some uh, representative from Ole Miss, uh, the former Eric Winston, who was the former director of the NFLPA, and, they, and, and others were on that board. Uh, Dr. Michael Drake from Ohio State, who's now on the NCA Board of Governors. And they were basically telling Congress that well, first in January, they're going to vote on these NIL rules. The Board of Governors is going to vote on this, these NIL rules. So that, but before that, what they need over these next few months into next year is kind of a national framework because the concern is, is that Florida is going to have their own rules and the, and the schools in that state, Florida, Miami, UCF, Florida State, are going to have their own rules and California is going to have their own rules 
the states are kind of forcing the hand of the NCAA to start really seriously thinking about this. And what the NCAA and kind of their member institutions and their commissioners are saying is, we need to go to Congress to start drafting legislation on this as fast as possible. So we have sort of a national framework, one rule for all of our member institutions to follow. Um, they don't want state by state rules. That's gonna be very complicated, not only for kids at those schools, but what, what's, what happens if a kid transfers from Colorado to Miami or from South Carolina to Tennessee and there are different state rules. So that's really kind of the tricky thing. January is gonna be very important, but these next few months from, the, from a congressional perspective is gonna be super crucial. One other thing I wanna say that I think is being discounted in this is just the time commitment that this is going to take college athletes and the change that coaches are gonna to have to realize when this comes in. You know, coaches want kids in the film room, many hours in the weight room, and then <clears throat> some, some in the classroom. So maybe in that order too. So um, if a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or a Panay Sewell or anybody across the country uh, has to excuse themselves for two hours to go shoot a commercial or be involved in a Twitter campaign or to do whatever, selling t-shirts or an autograph session during the weekend or to spend a week in their hometown running summer camps. It's going to be a very delicate balance between the, relation, the relationship between those players and those coaches for understanding that. So that's going to be really a mind shift on the coaches' parts who want to have really complete control over the day-to-day -day lives of these kids. It's going to be different. And I think over time, it's going, to, it's going to affect recruiting in the sense that coaches who are more open to this and who develop those players to get NIL deals on campus, it's going to be like another part of the recruiting pitch. Not that we can help you get these, but we're open to the idea of you doing it for yourself. Okay, so, so Zach, Gorney brings up a good point about the time management and stuff like that. Now, you've dealt with high school athletes, you deal with pro athletes. And even pro athletes that have like representation and you know like a person with them all the time, getting them to tweet the right thing at the right time. I mean, the, the, the hoops we jump through when a kid's announcing his commitment, even and he says, "I'm doing it at six, and then six comes and he doesn't do it. And he says, "I'll do it a little later." And it's just like it's it's all over the place. So, will the kids be able to? So, a will a school have someone who coordinates all that stuff? essentially like a marketing person or will the athletes be able to hire someone like you to do that to do it for them uh will they be allowed to do that if the money's supposed to flow through the school so the school the school actually isn't allowed to facilitate anything okay um that's where you'd get into the recruiting inducements and things like that and so the money the money flows through like the ncaa uh you know the indianapolis office um not the member institutions. So the school can't do it. So the kids will need to have some sort of representation, at least the high-end kids. Uh, the question is what will be allowed? That's another major thing that is, they're going through because so, you know, will it be an agent certification process like the NFLPA has for contract agents? Um, will there be the government, you know, the state laws where they register agents? Um, that you know they some of them have in place but the truth is there's not a lot of like even on the the pro level there's not a lot of barriers to entry for marketing representation um, and I think that gets really scary when you talk about dealing with these younger you know 18 19 year old kids and 
you know, by the time a family goes through the draft process and they vet the contract agents and everything, they get exposed to so much that they're able to kind of make informed decisions. If the NCAA is saying that a kid can't have any representation before they get to college, but they're clearly going to need representation once they get to college, you know, they're going to be in rushing these decisions. And, you know, you could have both have people that are with bad intentions or even people with good intentions that just don't really understand the business that end up costing the kid a lot of money long-term. So I think, yeah, figuring out how the, the representation process and certification and all that will work is another one of the biggest um, kind of questions to, that has to be answered. And again, I'm sorry, you know, sorry for saying that everything still needs to be answered, but like Adam said, like that's where everything is. Like anybody who claims to know exactly what's going to happen is just lying because the people that are making the decisions haven't figured out what's going to happen. So um, we know that social media is going to be the key moneymaker for any of these people. They're essentially athletic influencers now. So uh, p when you hear, you know, olds like me and Gorney talk about this on social media, especially like the college football media, they're like, their frame of reference is, like you said, car dealerships or whatever. But in the meantime, someone like Justin Flo has, 300,000 Instagram followers or whatever. He could be doing what? Like a, like a, like a workout, like a protein shake type thing. He's going to be doing that. That's where the money is actually going to be made for a lot of these people. Right? Yeah. Uh, and it's especially because with like, like, look at the Instagram influencers, a lot of their business is like commission, right? It's so you, you won't just be getting paid to sponsor a protein company. It'll be, you get a, you know, Hey, we'll give you $2,000 for this post and then do a swipe up link and you get 20 to 30% of all sales, right? right. That's kids can start to see more revenue. And, but again, there's the, from a, you know, the marketing agent standpoint, there's the fine line of you need to keep your page authentic to you and your brand, not just, you know, selling it off and everything's a sales link. And right. Then you start to lose your following and, and your influence ultimately. Right. The other big one will be trading cards and memorabilia. Like the, you know, autographs have value. You can look online right now. Some of these kids have signed things in the past as high school or college athletes. And you have Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence autographs in like the hundreds of dollars. So imagine people are able to, to pay them for that, right? They won't be getting paid that much, but the, you know, they're not going to get paid a hundred dollars signature, but they could be getting, you know, 10, 20 bucks a signature for 5,000 signatures. You do that math, that, that adds up quick. Right. Especially we saw guys in the past, like, Johnny Football and Todd Gurley get busted for doing it during the season. Uh, but to give you an idea, look, you reminded me while we were sitting here, I looked at my desk. This is how this is how little influence you have to have to get free stuff. I mean, oh, oh the, the green screen's throwing it off. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's from it's from Manscaped, some razor company sent me like hundreds of dollars worth of stuff, <laughs> and they wanted me to do a post like you mentioned, Zach. Uh, Swipe, they're like, they sent me clothes and product and out of nowhere, but I realized I probably couldn't do it because. Well, Woody, one of the, uh, one of the examples that they used at the congressional hearing that a, that a profess a law professor from the university of Baltimore said was the UCLA gymnast who did that video to the yep. Michael Jackson song. And it went viral, got 115 million views on YouTube. And for that, she was paid zero cents, not a, single penny so if she just got a sliver of that advertising revenue uh from those views from the ucla gymnast webpage, 
she would have significant money. So just think of anything possible where you can, you can make money off your name, image, likeness. The, the question is, is who's going to have enough time to be able to put this together? Um, because you're going to have to have a team of people doing that for you. Well, I, think, I think the one thing though is you, you hit it there. Though. If you were, you know, if they truly wanted to maximize it, they would need a team and they would need these big commitments, but it's not really even about that. It's just about, you know, letting them earn something, letting them earn, yeah. right? If you're, you know, if you're a college kid and you can make $50,000 a year, that's life changing. Like that is that, you know, and for a lot of the situation where these kids are coming from that money isn't just going to be used to support them. It's, you know, potentially going to family members and things like that, where, or even if it's just enough money so they can pay for their families to travel to games, right? Like let's make that a break even cost. So it's, it is just, you know, that will make a big difference to these kids and they don't need to sacrifice time. They don't need to be missing practice or anything like that. Um, but then, yeah, I think, you know, I, the examples that I always use are like UCLA gymnasts, uh, Penn State wrestling, Nebraska volleyball, like it's not just going to be football players that are able to, and basketball players that are able to make a lot of money off this or, you know, good money off this. Yeah. I notice a lot of, uh, a lot of, female athletes having like softball college softball players having hundreds of thousands of followers like or on TikTok or on or on Instagram and essentially you have to imagine like if they're endorsing even something related to their sport or you know swimwear my skincare routine or whatever like it's not just there's money to be made across all sports I think I think some people discount like, oh, well, nobody would watch a, a TV commercial with the Oregon third baseman from the softball team. It's like, well, no, no, no one. I have, I have a friend who asked, who said, who went to every Oregon game last year, home and away. And he sent me a, a text of the mock draft. And he said, who's this Oregon guy that's in the top 10? And it was Panay Sewell. He didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah, no, so that, I'd say this is the, uh, my hottest take as it relates to NIL stuff, maybe. Justin Herbert would have made less money last year than Sabrina and then Haley Cruz. So they're, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, Haley Cruz is who I was thinking about. With yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, there, are two, there are two kind of schools of thinking on this. One is from kind of the legislatures, the legislators and the chancellors of schools and as Woody would say, the older people who Michael Drake said at the con congressional hearing that three or four Ohio State players would make significant money from this. And there's the, then the other side is that the backup walk-on guard at Nebraska is going to make a significant amount of money because he's the biggest name, biggest show in his small town, and 500 kids are going to show up to his summer camp and get his signature. And so... Uh, it was interesting because, you know, women's sports are going to get a, a huge portion of this uh, because there's a significant interest, especially in women's basketball, women's gymnastics, and other sports. Um, you know, all these schools that think this is just football and men's basketball related because those are the sports that make the most money in those universities, I think are dramatically undervaluing what these other sports can make. Now, no one's going to make the money that the highest end football player can make, but there's, there are significant fan bases out there that are going to, that are going to pay to see a lot of these people in commercials or pay to meet them or pay for their autograph or, or whatever else down the line. And it's going to make things um, a lot better for those sports too, because 
a lot of little girls, I have three nieces, all of them go to the UCLA gymnastics meets all the time. They would definitely pay to go and talk for five minutes with one of those gymnasts. And across the country, I think we're going to see that. Yeah, and you, you have a lot of women's sports where college is really the pinnacle of popularity, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and the most popular women's basketball team in the country is probably still UConn, not a WNBA team, not anything, you know. So right. I think that's the other thing, too, that is super unfair. You know, when people – they try to say that it's going to be unfair to women because men will make more. And I, I say it's the reverse, you know. You, the guy, any man that'll make more in college, you know, than these top women athletes are men that are going to go on to play in the NBA or NFL. So they, you know, they were always going to make more and they still had an opportunity to, to make more after college versus the women that they're robbing of this opportunity to profit off their name and likeness. These four years for a lot of them was the prime opportunity and maybe the only opportunity. Yeah. And I, and I think the same will go for certain certain athletes in football that don't, you know, I mean, imagine how much money Tim Tebow would have made or whatever. And obviously he didn't have a yeah. great uh, pro career. So same with like Johnny Menzel. Yeah. I mean, what about like an Eric Crouch, right? Like <laughs> right. guys like that, right? Like there's the people, you know, college stars that just don't make it. Right. And yeah. So, so we were having a discussion earlier with Mike Farrell and we were trying to say, Oh, let's name, the, the 10 players who are, who are most likely to make money off this. And he starts naming, you know, the 10 best players. Like you said, Justin Herbert. Okay. Like Justin Herbert had no, had no social media presence, had no personality that was discernible whatsoever. You know? <laughs> so like he, he, you know, you don't see kids posting pictures of Justin Herbert. It's like they're starting now Lamar Jackson in college, yeah, amazing. I mean, he everybody loved him. I mean, like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, but it's not just going to be the ten best players. It's going to be there. There are even like that kicker at UCF who had a YouTube channel, and he had tens of thousands of followers, and they stripped his eligibility because he was making money shooting funny videos in a locker room. Or like a guy like, do you guys remember uh, Keyshawn Kai Young? Do you remember him? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, went to U he went to USC. He's yeah. never really played college football, but I mean, he was like a Vine superstar at that time. And he was like hilarious and he probably could have made a ton of money. Like, so the, and like Gorney said, the, the smaller towns, Nebraska, Tuscaloosa, Oxford, Mississippi, you know, like those are the guys that are going to make money co compared to, you know, someone who's in LA or New York or whatever, where, where yes. you know, Zach opened cares. my eyes to this. Cause when I went into this, I was like the big media markets, the big city teams, USC, Miami, even, even a place like Austin, Texas. Um, those were going to be the schools that of the, of the players that really made the most money and made the most of this. But as I kind of went along and talked to him and he said, you know, I think the people that are going to make the money here are the, the small, really, football sports hungry towns the you know the lincoln nebraska's and the state college pennsylvania's and even in ann arbor michigan is kind of in a sweet spot because it's a suburb of a big city um with a with a huge industry um, but also has a small town feel i think those are the schools that could really profit off this the most because um because football matters there he, he used an example of uh you know you can get jennifer aniston or brad pitt in a commercial in Los Angeles, does anyone really care about USC's starting wide receiver or Jared Goff? You know, you can get Jared Goff in a commercial. So I think that is important. And I also think 
having a, and he also said having like a unique and genuine personality, something that really interests you. He pointed to Carson Wentz's hunting with his brother. That brings in advertising dollars. That Juju Smith-Schuster's gaming interest, that brings in advertising dollars. So don't be fake about it and don't just create something, but be your genuine self. And then the marketing dollars will follow from that. Yeah, we've seen, and we've seen guys who aren't the top, you know, talents have huge followings in the past and, and it's, it would be paying off for them uh, in this scenario. Before we kind of wrap up, uh, another thing I've been seeing people like, especially tweeting at us about, you better enjoy it now because you're going to have to pay high school athletes to take their picture and write about them. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know how that got lumped into it, but my question will be, can these prospects, especially we saw Br Bryce Brown try to do it way back in the day where he had his own website where he was charging people money uh, to, to read about his recruitment. Could we see something like that? I guess we'll start with Gorney. Is that it? Will high schoolers be able to capitalize off of their recruitment? And is that going to be decided on the state level? Is that an NCA issue? How does it, how's that handled? Yeah, like we talked about a lot of things that still remains, I think, unclear. Um, what the NCAA and what Congress is going to try to do is to make anything that's recruiting induced or pay for play completely out of bounds. And if you want to do that, if you want to play that game, then you're not going to be welcome to play at one of our member institutions. So if a Texas A&M booster wants to put up a website for one of the top quarterbacks in Texas and pay him $50,000 to put, to put content on there, I don't think that's going to be possible, even if the kid is not under NCAA rules yet. So I think well, all of those schemes or strategies or whatever you'd like to call them are going to be frowned upon um, I wouldn't say illegal, but certainly frowned upon as this kind of gets worked through. Anything where it could be even seen as I'm paying you to go to a certain school, no matter how old you are, is not going to be allowed probably. Well, and actually, so uh, taking one step back, the reason why that specifically will be banned is because kids aren't going to be allowed to monetize their name and likeness before entering college, is what they're saying. So oh, okay. Then you're going to, from everything that I've been told, um, all of the existing legislation that is being pushed says that the kids basically have to enroll with their, you know, what would have been considered amateur status. Maybe that changes. I hope it does, honestly. Uh, but as of now, high school kids won't be able to, to monetize their name and likeness, which is... So we get into a sticky situation there, though, and this is kind of what I've learned through this whole thing, is that one question leads to 20 others. Sierra Wright is playing LeBron James's son in Space Jam 2. The director of that movie, let's say, went to UCLA. What's to stop that director from paying Sierra Wright a million dollars instead of $250,000 with the agreement that he were to go to UCLA? I mean, it's just a very complicated scenario that, will, that is endless. And that's why I think the NCAA said, hey, to get our hands around this, uh, we need more help. And uh, Congress is pretty big to deal with something like that. And actually, and the one thing I'll say is, you know, the, I have actually bad news for, for your haters, Woody. Um, rankings will matter more than ever once kids are able to monetize their name and likeness, right? Because if you're a five-star, that gives you clout, right? That increases your marketability. I mean, I, I think, honestly, for, if, for rivals and your competitors, this is name and likeness rules changing is 100% a great thing for your business because you are going to, 
basically set the market for some of these kids. Like we, we talked about, it's not all based on, you know, their play, but, you know, being a five-star will absolutely increase the value of a kid or, you know, being a four-star instead of a three-star because that gets the fan base excited, right? It's not like every Nebraska fan is going in and breaking down film of every kid, right? If a kid's a five-star, they want them and they love them, right? So I think, um, honestly, you guys will, will be more powerful than ever. Oh, man, that sounds great, especially the people running the, so the people running the social media accounts, because you're going to want, hey, you're going to want to be going to camps, you're going to want to, you're going to want to be going viral, you want to have viral plays, you're going to want to have, uh, be featured on, on other accounts that are going to grow your following. So uh, I like yeah. that, Zach. That's, that's my shameless plug for you guys is, look, any kid who, who hears this, you know, take be nice to the media. You, you need them, right? You need them more now more than ever, right? So make sure they, you know, do that interview. So then they'll tweet it from the main rivals account and they'll tag you on Instagram and all those things. And, you know, you'll, you'll thank Woody and Adam later. It was funny. Uh, real quick, I, I, I actually was tweeting out the uh, Elite 11 video and uh, the Tennessee quarterback commit. I tweeted it out and he responded. Please tag me in all posts. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go. Because <laughs> I because I just put his name and I I didn't find his Twitter, so uh, gotta tag him. That's that's gonna be the other thing. Please please, sir, can you tag me in everything? Oh yeah, every yeah. tweet about me. The tags will definitely be required. <laughs> it's funny because you joked about earlier how hard it is to get some like NFL vets to do things. But the truth is that the, the younger kids are so much more you're not just tech savvy, but they're right. They're kind of social natives and they understand brand building online kind of innately, right? Because again, you have random high schoolers with a bunch of followers, not just athletes. Like, so these kids, they know to make sure to ask to tag, right? Like, I don't think every NFL player would have immediately hit you to do that, right? Right. I just, I just remember like us being at events when you were working at Adidas and I'd be, me being like, which NFL players are coming? And it's just kind of like, oh, well, these guys are supposed to come. We'll see if they show up or not. <laughs> I, I distinctly remember Alvin Kamara just driving like a Hummer into the middle of the field uh, with maybe with Quavo or whatever in the middle of an event. He was like three hours late. and It was like everyone was thrilled to see both of them. But yeah, it was definitely missed his call time. Uh, by a few hours so uh all right guys well thanks for hanging out i really appreciate it uh, you want to read adam gorney's series over we're probably going to break up uh, this conversation a little bit in video form uh but adam has been working on this very hard and uh, if you want to follow zach he's always talking about this stuff as well uh it's his name at zach soskin on twitter so all right guys thanks a lot for hanging out and have a great weekend no problem thanks for having me